as we reach this moment in our service, we've already had some really good preaching, haven't we? It's been a beautiful morning of people sharing from their hearts what the living God has done to them. And and we need to encourage these that have shared with us. I, I want to urge you, th- their testimonies are far deeper than what you just got. They're incredible stories of redemption, of salvation. And I urge you in the coming days to ask them, they all, to the, to the person, all four of them would invite you to come and say, could you give me more details about your testimony? And they will share that with perhaps some tears, but a smile nonetheless as they tell the story of salvation that they have found in Jesus Christ. So I urge you to do that. We're in Mark chapter 1 still. We're going to pick up in verse 16 through 20 today. So if you'll turn in your Bibles there. And let me just set the scene for for what we're going to encounter in these passages here this morning. The Gospel of Mark begins with a bang, with massive impact, with with a fast, quick liftoff from the flight of an aircraft carrier, from the deck of an aircraft carrier, if you will. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the promised Messiah, as we heard in Malachi the last time the Old Testament writers spoke. Then God the Father gives affirmation and authority to His Son when He is coming up out of the baptismal waters. God the Father says, this is my beloved Son with you. I am well pleased. So now He's given authority and a commissioning from God. Then the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and anoints him and prepares him for a life of ministry. And then that Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, drives him into the wilderness so that he can be tempted for 40 days by Satan. And during those 40 days, Jesus Christ responds to Satan's temptations with passage of scriptures, refuting him with the word of God. And he comes out of that wilderness Tempted and tried, though still perfect and sinless. And then he begins his ministry. Then he begins his ministry. And the first thing that he does in his ministry is he preaches. He doesn't heal, doesn't walk on water, doesn't turn water to wine. He preaches. And his sermon is simple, and we looked at it last week. It's got three points. It is, the time is fulfilled... The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. And thus Jesus' ministry is launched into a radically and extreme trajectory that ultimately ends with an appointment on the cross and begins again with a resurrection on the third day. And that's where we pick up this morning as we look at verse 16. Jesus has just launched his ministry with his brief sermon of three points. And then in verse 16, we see that he has a second message, a command, if you will. And let's pick up right there. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants And followed him. 
Let's pray. Father, we have truth here that is true history, yes. But these words are living words and they are not time bound only to Peter and Andrew and James and John. These words you still preach to us today in 2015. So help us, Lord, to get it. Help us to apply it. Help us to obey it for your glory and for our benefit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very next thing that Jesus does after preaching his sermon is he goes and he finds four men. And in essence, his message is simple to them. And it is this. Follow me. We need to understand what this follow me means. There's a lot behind that phrase, follow me. It's two words, but it is loaded with meaning. Note, first of all, that this is a command. This call to follow me is not an invitation, per se. It is, but it's really not an invitation. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Follow me. It's a bold command. It's a gracious command. The fact that God would even go to these four men and say, follow me, is gracious. Because these men were not worthy to follow Jesus Christ. We know that from all of their testimony through the rest of the Gospels that we read. It was a gracious command and it was an opportunity for those who would obey. And this command does require a response. It's not follow me and he zaps them and they're in a trance and they can't do anything. But there is a call on these four men to be obedient or disobedient. And there is a responsibility of the men here to take it or leave it. And we see that they take it. We'll get there in a moment. This command is very simple. Yet, as I've said already, it is comprehensive and it is loaded with massive implications. It is life-changing. It is more than that. It is eternity-changing for everyone that would respond in obedience to this call by Jesus to follow him. We've had four people this morning that have testified to the life-changing effect of responding and obeying to Jesus' command to follow him. Ask them about it. It's life-changing, and I think they'll connect the dots with you, and they will say it is eternity-changing. Their eternity is sewn up, and they will be in the presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, forever worshiping him in harmony as they were designed to do. So we must see that, yes, this is life-changing and eternity-changing. So because of that, we need to understand what follow me means and what follow me requires. And we could go a lot of directions with this this morning, but I'm going to give you three, okay? Here's what I think the essence of follow me means when Jesus says this to you. And I do believe this morning he is saying this to everybody in this room. I do believe it. I believe he calls every human being made in the image of God to follow him. So this is your morning to clearly hear it from him. Okay, here's what it means. It means three things. The first thing it means, it means to study him. These disciples-to-be had known of Jesus. They, They know of the Messiah. When Andrew went and told his brother weeks or months earlier than this, when he told Peter, we have found the Messiah... 
Peter knew there was a Messiah because Peter was a man of the Old Testament Scriptures. He read them. He was familiar with them. So that when he heard that the Messiah was here, he knew that that commanded a response. And so now Jesus coming by them on the seashore this day, because they've studied him to that point, they're ready to follow. But Jesus says, as you follow me, you're really going to do more than you've ever done before in learning me. And so to follow Jesus is a call to listen to him. And these four disciples listened to him for some three years. <laughs> we are called as they were to observe him. And these four apostles to be observed Jesus for those three years. This is a calling for us to understand Jesus and I'm going to tell you that happens through belief and being endowed with the Holy Spirit so that you could even comprehend this Jesus that has said, follow me. I love Peter's testimony in John chapter 6. To, to set that scene, Jesus is teaching a very, very hard truth to his disciples. And these disciples, this is a multitude. This is maybe 70 plus people that are disciples of Jesus Christ. There were more than just the 12. The 12 become apostles, but there was a large following of disciples who were students of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ teaches this hard truth. He uses an analogy. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. And many of these disciples said, that is crazy. That is called cannibalism, and they don't even get it. He's talking figuratively. And he's saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, take me inside of you and let me change you from the inside out. Let me empower you. Let me give you strength and knowledge and wisdom and abilities. Drink me in and fill yourself with me. And many of these disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can handle it? We're out of here. And they left. The scriptures say they departed and left him. And Jesus turns, and the passage says, to the twelve. Masses down to twelve. And he says, what about you? What about you? And, and I'm going to pause for a moment. Because I believe that in every one of our lives... We have a moment where Jesus turns to us and says, what about you? Because the masses in our culture right now as we speak are fleeing away from Jesus with their fingers in their ears saying, who can handle this stuff? This is weird. This is kooky. This is crazy. This is mean. And he turns to you and he says, what about you? Do you want to go as well? And here's old Peter. He's one of these two. Andrew and Peter are on the, side, on, on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus says, follow me. Later on, Peter answers him and he says this. Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are. The Holy One of God. Messiah. Peter says we have believed. And we have come to know. That comes from studying Jesus. 
reading Jesus, observing Jesus, comprehending Jesus happens through those efforts. And Peter says, it's happened with us. We've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else would we go? Have you had that moment in your life with Jesus Christ? Four people this morning have said, I had that moment. If you've had that moment, you praise this Jesus who came to you and said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And if you have not, I urge you to respond in obedience to Jesus' command to you this morning to follow him. You will not regret it. You will not. So that's the first one, study him. The second one is to obey and serve him. We're not to be spectators. We're not to be groupies where we're kind of hanging around in the vicinity of Jesus saying when it's convenient, yeah, I'm one of his. And when it's not, no, I'm not sure about him. No, we are to be with him in obedience and steadfastness and we are to serve him. I said last week that we need to believe in a radical way, that it's not just head knowledge. And my analogy last week was we need to believe in the gospel like we believe in gravity. Believing in gravity changes my behavior and my thinking. And believing in the gospel must do more than that. It must absolutely change the way I think, the way I speak, and the way I act. We must obey this Jesus And all of his commands. Listen to what Jesus says. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If, then. You say you love me? Obey me. Be changed by me. You know that gravity stuff? I see evidence that you believe in gravity. I need you to believe in me more than gravity. Because gravity one day will stop. I won't. Forever. I need to be your gravity. That's in essence what Jesus' message is. And he goes on to say, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So when we follow Jesus, we study him to know him, and then we obey him to serve him. And in so doing, we are demonstrating to him and to the world that we love him. That we love him. One of the first acts of obedience for a born-again Christian is to get in water and to imitate him in death, burial, and resurrection. And that's my third point. Imitate. We are to study him. We are to obey and serve him. And we are to imitate him. Now, this doesn't mean we go walk on water next week. We don't need to imitate him in that way. That's not going to work out for us, right? We are not God in the flesh. What does it mean that we should imitate him? I like what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul, the apostle, is an imitator of Jesus Christ. And he tells people to imitate him only so long as it's in me imitating Jesus. So we are to be imitators of Christ. So we imitate Jesus in our baptism. Jesus was baptized. 30-year-old man. He was obedient to God the Father. 
And he pictured what was going to happen to him in the future. Death, burial, and resurrection. And God said, your obedience makes me say, I love you and you are my son. God wants to say that to you. Be obedient. Receive that commendation from God the Father. We need to be obedient to Jesus as Jesus was obedient to God the Father. We are to imitate him like he was obedient to his Father. Jesus says, I don't come and speak on my own. I speak of what my Father told me to speak. I do what my Father called me to do on this earth. We're to imitate him and we are to obey the commands of God the Father that we find in these scriptures. We are to be compassionate towards sinners like Jesus was. We don't distance ourselves from dirty, filthy sinners. We are one of those. We go to them like that woman at the well when Jesus went to her. Six husbands, Gentile, poor, female. And he goes to her and he shares with her living water. And he tells her, if you drink of this water, me, you'll live forever. It's just like what he said to those disciples that left him. Drink me. He told her, drink me and you'll live forever. You'll never thirst again. That's his call to us as well. We are to imitate Jesus Christ in self-denial. He put the interests of others ahead of his own. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life a ransom so that many might be forgiven for their sins. We are to imitate Jesus in persecution. We are exiles. We've talked about this a lot in 1 Peter and Daniel. We are exiles in a world that we don't belong in. Jesus didn't belong in this world. The world didn't receive him. Even his own people did not receive him. And so we are to imitate Jesus in that we are willing to endure persecution for his namesake. We are to imitate Jesus in evangelism. Jesus took on flesh, came to this earth in the form of a man, humbled himself to the ultimate humility of even dying on a cross. And he did this to be an evangelist. He walked on this earth for some three years, sharing the good news of the gospel of himself. We don't share good news about ourselves, do we? We share the good news about the one that we believe in, that we have received forgiveness of sins through, Jesus Christ. And so we are called to imitate Jesus in being evangelists and encountering the world that we live in and being used by Jesus to be the ones that Jesus says through us to people, follow me. So we're to study him, we're to obey him, and we're to imitate him. That is Christianity. Within the church, globally, we're having a hard time in certain places seeing this kind of following. The church is desperate for extreme Christianity. And extreme Christianity is, I'm going to study Jesus, obey Jesus, and imitate Jesus in everything that I do. At work, at church, at home, in the privacy of my own thoughts, when I'm on the riding lawnmower... Even there, I could sin. I'm going to honor Jesus and study Him and obey Him and imitate Him in all tasks in my life. I will not segregate one portion of my life from another portion of my life. He's all, He gets all of me all the time. Now, we struggle with that, and we fall and fail in doing that. 
But a Christian repents of that and gets back up and tries again. And we keep doing it for the glory of Christ. We're not perfection yet. That'll come one day when he comes again. But a Christian's trajectory is to be one of studying, obeying, and imitating. And I'm going to say to you that the church at large, especially in America, is really anemic in this kind of following Jesus. You, you see it in, in laissez-faire membership. You see it in sporadic attendance. You see it in little to no giving you see it in not serving one another joyfully. You see it in people living in isolation instead of together. These are all things that Jesus calls us to be about. And so I, I kind of want to drive a stake in the stage today and say, can we be a church that radically follows Jesus Christ like that? Can, can we sell all and follow Him? Can we leave goods and kindred behind to follow Him? We don't neglect our families, but we leave them, so to speak, and we yoke ourselves to Jesus Christ. That is the calling here when Jesus says, follow me. That is the calling. I want to ask you this. What is the purpose for why Jesus tells these guys to follow Him? Follow me, comma, and I will make you become fishers of men. His purpose is that we, would, in following him by study, obedience, and imitation, we would become missionaries, evangelists, disciple makers. His, his great commission at the end of Matthew is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is why he calls us to follow him so that we can help him in regeneration, recreating, bringing new people into a born-again state who will follow him as well. And through that cycle of repetition, the kingdom of God is at hand and it expands and grows. To where one day, as Revelation tells us, in heaven for eternity, there will be myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands of people who have followed Jesus Christ. So Jesus' purpose for us following him is that we would become fishers of men, that we would be evangelists, that we would be missionaries and proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ so that many would become saved through him. What does it take to be a good fisherman? I like fishing. I got to be careful with fishing. So I can like it too much sometimes. To, to be a good fisherman, you have to study fish and their habitat. You have to know where they hang out. You have to know where they reside in the waters. You have to know what they eat. You have to know what they're afraid of. You have to understand their eyesight. You have to understand the elements around them that spook them and that threaten them. And then you basically have to learn how to deceive them with a fly. Okay? I don't want just to be deceivers of humans, okay? But you have to study them to know how to fish them. The same thing is true with people. We cannot be isolationists. We cannot go huddle up in our own little corner or our own little individual status somewhere. We, we are to be amongst 
fish amongst people. We're to study them. We're to know what they're scared of. We're to know what they're hurting over. We are to know where their weaknesses are when it comes to temptation to sin. And we are to speak to them in those moments with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we might catch them and reel them in and let them become fishermen as well. And we go get more. And we go get more. And we go get more until Jesus Christ comes again. So the purpose for following Jesus is not this. Jesus does not say, follow me and I will make you healthy and wealthy. That is nowhere found in the Bible. Nowhere. And yet I'm going to tell you right now in pulpits in the United States of America, that filth is being preached. So he doesn't say, I'm going to make you wealthy and healthy. He doesn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you trendy and famous. And everybody's going to want to be with you. That's not the promise of the gospel. The promise is, I'm going to bless you, yes, spiritually for all of eternity. And then I'm going to deploy you for kingdom purposes. To share me with others so that there would be myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And he says this, basically, there is nothing better than that kind of life. The entrapments of this world will evaporate and they will prove to be fraudulent. But serving the king and ushering in the kingdom is a privilege. It's the best thing ever. I think you saw that this morning with four. I hope you're seeing that and hearing that through me. There's nothing better than even doing this right now to stand before you week after week and urge you to believe in this Jesus Christ and to follow him with all your life. I highly recommend it. (laughs) And you can do this at work and everywhere else in your life during this week. I highly recommend it. It's the best way to live. So we need to become experts on people and their issues. We can do this so easily because we are people. It's kind of hard to figure a fish out in a stream, but I can figure a human out because I have aches and pains and fears and anxieties and worries and doubts just like the best of them. But I have something that speaks to those issues that I am called to share with them and thus I fish them. What will the response of these four men? Let's look at that. In verse 18, we see Mark's favorite word immediately. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then in verse 20, after Jesus immediately called them, it's implied that they immediately left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. So the command that Jesus gives to follow me requires obedience to be fulfilled. And so these guys show us how to respond to the calling that Jesus gives to follow me. And here it is. There's no pause. They don't think for a moment. There's no questioning. There's no hesitation. There's no going and tending to some business to get ready to leave. There's no packing. Got all my stuff I got to take with us, Jesus. There's no, well, Jesus, tell you what, you need to tell me where we're going before I figure out if I'm going to do that. There's none of that. There's trust. That when this God man, Jesus Christ, says, follow me, it will be good. 
There is no other alternative. Let me, let me share with you. Jesus called me to follow him in faith and salvation one day, yes. But he, but he called me, what, eight years ago now, to, to follow him and leave everything and go to seminary, to get ready to stand and do what I'm doing right this very minute. And, and some people say, man, that's incredible. You gave everything up. I, that, that must have been really hard to do. And I want to tell you, it was not. I, I did not have to let go of, of white-knuckled, clutched hands on possessions. I, I really didn't. And I don't boast in that. I boast in Jesus Christ that he made Jennifer and me and Braden and Carabeth willing to let go and to follow. And our testimony is... We can't imagine not doing this. We have great uncertainty. We don't know how we're going to make a living. We don't know who's going to receive us. We don't know any we don't know about churches up there. We're just going, but we can't imagine not doing this. That is what it's like every time when Jesus says to someone, Follow me. There's great unknowns. Great unknowns. There is risk in our human mind. But I'm going to tell you, when you follow Jesus, there is no risk. It is not risky to follow God. It's risky not to. It is very risky to disobey Jesus' command to follow Him. And it's not even that. It's guaranteed to be failure. And so when you get this call from Jesus to follow him in salvation or to follow him in in obedience to do something radical like go to Uganda in your 60s, what ends up happening is you say, I can't imagine not doing that even though there is massive uncertainty on every front and it is a delight and a joy to go. Peter, Andrew, James, and John would stand before you this morning and say that same thing. They left Zebedee, boats and nets that they had inherited from him and maybe their grandfather. The the Sea of Galilee right there, very lucrative fishing waters, lucrative business opportunities. Fish was the, the meat of the day, and they shipped fish all throughout the world, the known world at that time. They had it made, y'all. They had it made, and they left it without hesitation. Without question, without qualifiers, without, let me just get my three things that I absolutely can't let go of. No, immediately Mark says, they dropped their nets, they left their livelihood, they left their family, and they obeyed. Jesus' command to Peter, Andrew, James, John, Kristen, John David, Alan, Aaron, Edward, put your name in. It's the same command. Follow me. He uses the same two words with everybody. It's not tricky. You don't have to get a formula out and figure this. What is this? Follow him. Without question. With deep-seated belief. Follow me like you believe in gravity. And so you don't jump off of high buildings. You follow me. I'm worthy Of being followed. So I want to ask you this morning. As we have worshipped well this morning. Has Jesus commanded you to follow him?
I'm going to tell you yes, because in hearing this sermon, he is beckoning you and telling you, come. He is. You have been encountered by the living God this morning in the scriptures and in lives that share testimonies of how he's confronted them. So you're hearing it this morning. Follow him. How are you going to respond? I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to show you what it means in some way to follow Jesus. I can't define it all the way. I can't build it all out for you because it is unique on the other side of following him for every person. Some come into pulpits. Some go into businesses. Some go to the other side of the world. Some die. But no matter what the end is, following Jesus is the only, only way to go. Would you follow him this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, you have spoken to us today through your word. We thank you that we have these words in writing so that you can over and over again say to people over all generations, follow me. Lord, many in this room have. Lord, some think they have followed you, but when they really look at their life, they they come to the realization that they really haven't. They've followed the concept of you, but they've not followed you in study and obedience and imitation. I thank you, Father, that you're a, a forgiving Father, a redeeming Father. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not followed you like this, would you pick them up, dust them off, and draw them yet again to you? And would you change them this morning? Father, these four that we've baptized this morning have said they are following you. Would you keep them on that narrow path? Would you guide them through that narrow gate that leads to life? That The world is going to entice them to go through the wide gate and take the broad path. Would you remind them and all of us that that path leads to destruction? Lord, I pray that you've been honored this morning with the worship that we have offered you. And I pray so desperately that you'd bring us back together again next week. After fishing for little men and women this week in VBS, that you'd bring us back next week to do this all over again for your glory and for our benefit. And it's in the strong and all-sufficient and all-supreme name of Jesus Christ that I ask this. Amen.